0: Our scripture this morning comes from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 12. We will begin in verse 28 and go through verse 34. You can find it on page 1009. I don't need to check with Ruth today because I checked the Bible in the pew myself. And so you can find it on page 1009 in the pew Bible if you don't have a, a Bible with you. If you don't own a Bible, we want you to take that Bible home. We believe in the power of God's Word, the necessity it has on our lives And the impact it has when you read it daily. And so we want you to have that. It's a gift from us to you. Again, our scripture this morning is the Gospel of Mark, chapter 12, beginning in verse 28. There it's written. And one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another. And seeing that he answered them well, asked him, which commandment is the most important of all? Jesus answered, the most important is here, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. And the scribe said to him, You are right, teacher, you have truly said that he is one and there is no one besides him. And to love him with all the heart and with all the understanding and with all the strength and to love one's neighbor as oneself is much more than the whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. And when Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. And after that, no one dared to ask him any more questions. Here ends the reading of God's holy word. Please join me in prayer. O holy God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. 613, not just a random number I'm pulling out of the top of my head today, but 613 is the number of laws that God gave to man found within Holy Scripture. 613 laws. It's the totality of God's commands for his people. And now here we are still in the temple with Jesus. Still being brought questions. He's already had the Pharisees and the Herodians come up and try and trap him. He's had the Sadducees come and ask about resurrection in an attempt to trap him as well. And now the scribes, seeing the disputes go on, take their turn. So far, Jesus is two for two in answering these questions. But the scribes are going to take their shot. And they ask, which commandment is most important of all? Or if you're familiar with the scripture, a little bit in a different translation, it says, which is the greatest commandment of all? Now, before Jesus answers, he has 613 possible answers. This is Jesus. He's the son of God, right? Any one of them that he picks, that's going to be the most important. He has 613 to choose from. It's not just a multiple choice of A, B, C, or D. It's 613 choices. Now, there were so many laws, 613, given to God's people that they found it difficult, really impossible to keep all of them in their daily living. And so this question posed to Jesus is not an unfamiliar one. Rather, rabbis would go around and have this discussion within their groups and discuss which of the laws, which of the commands are the most important Which must be obeyed no matter what? And which could be tolerated if not kept? And so we can see from very early on with God's people that humans try to take God's commands and make them more accommodating to how we might live, to maybe feel less guilt or shame for the sins that we do or don't commit. We would never do such a thing, would we? Can't hardly stand it. Such allowances would be made for ourselves or or for others? Not I. I notice you're not laughing. And the truth is, we often do, maybe without even noticing, Maybe we say, oh, you know, I can tell a white lie here, right? If it doesn't hurt anybody, a white lie is perfectly okay. Or is it? It's one of those places where do we tolerate sin in our lives? And the sheer impossibility of keeping all 613 of God's laws point to his immense glory. For when we think about it, the 613 laws God has placed upon his people are so that we would resemble his holiness, so that we too would be holy as our God is holy. And so it shows his glory, and it shows us just how holy and perfect God is, but it also in turn shows us, the law shows us our own sinfulness our own failures and faults and it shows us our deep need for a savior for to be right with god is to keep all 613 laws perfectly without failure and none has done that points to our need for a savior so that we can be right with god and it's found only in the perfect The one who's sinless, blameless, spotless. Jesus the Christ. And it's him who will go on to the cross and shed his blood for our salvation. What mercy. What love. Amazing grace. How sweet that sounds. And now Jesus is asked to pick which one of these is the greatest. And Jesus gives them a double answer. He doesn't just pick one, rather, Jesus picks two. And as Jesus picks two, he puts the two together and they are now inseparable from that day forth. And while he may use the language of first and second, You cannot do one without doing the other. Jesus says here in verse 29, it says, Jesus answered, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. And the second is this, that you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no greater commandment than these. The Scribes just asked for one. They got two. And much is written about what Jesus just said. Much is written, much is discussed, much is is taught, and much is preached on this greatest commandment. It's found in the Gospels. It's found throughout all of the teachings in the New Testament, and it dates back into the Old Testament, for these were the commands of God. He he first quotes the first commandment out of Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 and 5. And when Jesus gives these two commands, he sums up all the law. As the Gospel of Matthew tells us, it sums up all the law and prophets in these two commands. For the first one to love the Lord, your God, sums up the first four of the Ten Commandments. And to love your neighbor covers the other six. But he leads with the first. For first and foremost, we are to love the Lord, our God, with a love for him and then can we only truly love our neighbor and he tells us this is what the love for god looks like he just doesn't say love the lord your god and move on we are told what that love looks like that you to love the lord your god with all your heart for our heart is the center of our affection and of our will it's it's where our Love and affection and devotion are to be offered completely to the Lord. Not just some half-hearted attempt, but rather the wholeness of our heart. We are to love Him as if we believe He is real and in control of our lives because He is. And it's a love to be expressed daily, not just in these moments here at church. He tells us to love the Lord, our God, with all of our soul. The soul is our very breath, our life, our our conscious loving God with our soul requires a constant awareness of him. Oh, it's so easy to say. And much harder to do. You know, we have the opportunity to live here at the beach and be so close to the ocean. To go outside and, and marvel at the creation God has made and then stand in the midst of the vast expanse of the water that is set before us in which God brewed over at the very beginning. We can stand in awe and, and be aware of God. But it gets much harder when we get inside places, it's much harder when we're driving in our car. It's much harder to be aware of God when we sit on our couch and watch TV. That's what loving our God with our whole soul is, is to be constantly aware. It is a genuine love For God just won't be superficial. It will reach the very depths of your soul. That when we sing, your singing is not coming because you can read the words on the screen, but because it comes from a place that can't help but sing for the Lord. And then he tells us to love the Lord your God with all of your mind. This one gets to be a bit easier for us. We're a thinking bunch. We like to think ourselves pretty reasonable and understanding that, that we have common sense about us in and in a way to understand what's going forward. And, and what he's telling us is that real love brings our mind to focus on him. We have the ability to understand the things of God to understand what God is telling us, but he's also given us our mind and to use in a way to love him so that we can focus on him and not the things of this world. But that Christ is our focus. To consider him, to meditate upon him and all he has done. And then he tells us to love the Lord your God with all your strength. This is our effort. You know, as as I get to coach Ellis in T-Ball, and I'm around a bunch of three, four, five, six-year-olds, it's fairly fun. And out there on the baseball field, I, I remind them that there are two things in life they can control. It's their attitude, and it's their effort. That's one of the things the Lord God calls us to love him with is all of our strength. It's to put an effort into this relationship. Can we say that we love God if we never go to him in prayer, if we never enter into his word? The scriptures tell us no. But That's not what loving God looks like. That to love God is a relationship that he first loved us and we love him because he first loved us. And it's an effort in this relationship to get to know him, to want to be around him, to talk to him, to want to spend eternity with our father, with him knowing us completely. And us knowing him as he's revealed himself to us. We can do that through our prayer and our scripture, and through worship. For you see, to love the Lord our God requires the totality of who we are. It's not just a part. It's not just a piece of us, but rather it is all of who we are. And then he says, and then we are to love our neighbor as ourselves. Recently in the youth group, Pastor John did a series on questions, you have questions, in which he gave all of the teenagers this opportunity to write down questions anonymously so that he would have a chance to answer them and go through them, whether they be about life or God or Jesus or scripture. And this one question came up to him. What does it mean to love our neighbors as ourselves? Specifically, They understood the loving others part, the loving the neighbors, but what does it mean to love them as ourselves? And Pastor John thought it was an excellent question brought before him, and and, and the answer is found when we consider how we approach our living, isn't it? We often wonder how do we love ourselves, but it's best found when we ask ourselves a series of questions. Do we do what's best for us? Do we consider our wants, needs, and desires first and foremost above the needs, wants, and desires of others? See, we have a nature handed down through the generations from Adam within us that considers ourselves first put ourselves first in our own lives before considering others. And so when Jesus quotes God's law saying to love our neighbor as ourselves, it requires us to consider them as a priority. In fact, even before ourselves, And here in this moment in this temple, when Jesus is asked this question, these two commandments become inseparable from that day forth. And the church has been taught that ever since. The apostles taught that this is what Christ taught. And we're honest, it's a struggle to live this out. We miss it daily. For we struggle with our own flesh that wants to consider ourselves not only before our neighbor neighbors, but also before God. We struggle because there is still the battle between the spirit of God that lives within us and our fleshly sinful desires that tries to overcome it. But as Paul wrote in Romans 8, we have been given that spirit to dwell within us so we can put the sin and our flesh to death and that we can then live for God. The Apostle John writes in his first letter. Chapter four, beginning in 19, he writes. We love because he first loved us. See, the commandments that Jesus gave weren't commandments in a way to earn salvation. We don't keep them so that we can get God and eternal life, but rather we obey them and are obedient to these commands because He first loved us. That while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, proving God's love for us. We love because He first loved us. And if anyone says, He writes, I love God and hates His brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. Amen.